of the sky! Look! It's a bird! It's a plane! It's Matt Spectro through the multiverse! Thank you for joining us for yet another exciting episode of Matt Spectro Through the Multiverse. I'm your host, Matt Spectro, lifetime comic fan, lifetime animation fan, lifetime superhero fan. And this is the podcast where we exclusively talk comic books and comic book animation. Thanks for joining us once again. Welcome to episode 93. I'm going to briefly explain the rules, then we're going to get right into it. Rule number one, comic books, animation, that's what we're talking about. That doesn't really change. Rule number two, huge fan of the old team-up books. Marvel team-up, DC Comics presents. So this is a team-up podcast every week. Me and a special guest get together and we chat comic book animation. Rule number three, most important, we got to have fun. Not going to hesitate. We're going to, without further ado, bring my guest. He's a first-time guest of the multiverse. Welcome to the multiverse, Antoine. Hey, everybody. Nice to be here. What's up, Matt? (laughs) It's great to have you here on the multiverse. Have you been on other podcasts, or is this the first for you in general? This is my first one in general, sir, and I'm excited. (laughs) A little nervous, but I'm excited. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I've got a very very passionate, very forgiving audience, so uh, (laughs) we've got... (laughs) That's good Nothing to, to know. <laughs> so, uh, we're going to talk comic book animation. Uh, we threw out a few things, and uh, the ones you would, uh, you'd bid on were Batman Beyond and uh, Static Shock. Someone had beat you to Batman Beyond. So, this week, we are going to talk Static Shock. So, Young Virgil uh, Hawkins. <laughs> are you, uh, <laughs> is this a character you are uh, passionate about, casual about? What's your take on Static in general? Well, general, I think Static is a very awesome character. I think he relates to a lot of people. Doesn't matter what color you are, but it's mostly like your background and your feeling, how you can relate to Static. You know, shy kid that had a goofy friend that can barely talk to girls. Most of us was like that. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, yeah, I'm about to walk in and talk to this girl, and then next thing you know, you got cold feet, you can't move. <laughs> like, uh, but it's easy, you know. It's easy to um, hide behind a mask and do it. Well, I've always said that uh, I'm a little bit older probably than you, but more of the generation of 80 and 90s and, well, even 70s kids. uh, It was kind of a, I don't know if I want to say male fantasy, but superheroes like this were always kind of, you were sometimes a comic reader. You weren't as confident and uh, you could look up, up to these guys that were kind of just like you, but. They uh they they found the courage through their superpowers to confront that is true. the world. That is true. <laughs> so we're gonna first uh, get into uh, the character of Static. Now, full disclosure, I, I read a handful of the Milestone comics, but I was not at the time an avid reader of the Static comic book. I had read more Icon and Blood Syndicate when Milestone was actually a thing. Uh, were you into? Com- I don't know your age. So were you into comics when Milestone actually happened? Oh, I was um I was I was definitely in the comic. I was reading um I was reading a lot of DC in the beginning. I was definitely coming across milestone uh, comics thanks to my mentor because he like he had had a library DC Marvel Image 
like um the man definitely taught me uh the man definitely the man definitely taught me a lot. And um I came across Static way before the uh cartoon actually came out. But like I was so focused on the DC that I kinda overlooked a lot of the milestone comics. Now that's different. I'm definitely um definitely collecting um the comics that I missed and I'm definitely getting back up on my milestone. Read a couple of issues of hardware, thanks to the um trade paperback. And I just been enjoying what Milestone has to offer. Now, for anybody who's unfamiliar with the Milestone universe, they were imprint of DC Comics. The concept uh, first came about in the late '80s, but it didn't get uh, it didn't come to life until 1992. Yeah, um, where it was not only was all black superheroes, but also the creators were black, and it was independently produced, even though the publishing rights were for DC Comics. DC, yes, sir. I mean, the major players were uh, Dennis Kawan. And I'm probably saying the name wrong. Uh, Dwayne McDuffie, Michael Davis, Derek Dingle. Also, I know Mark Bright, uh, who was a comic book artist, had worked on uh, that. Um, back in the day, there weren't as many, uh, let's just say, uh, <laughs> not as many diverse creators in the in the comic spheres back in the 80s and early 90s. That is true. That is true. Um, I don't believe Christopher Priest or uh, uh, Ron Wilson I don't believe they worked at uh, Milestone, but this was kind of unique uh, to comics because uh, even though DC had the publishing rights, these were technically an independent imprint, Milestone Comics. Mm-hmm. Static's actually not one of the original releases. The original releases were Hardware, Icon, and Blood Syndicate. Yeah. And as the the imprint continued to be popular, then later on we got Static. Yeah. And if you didn't read the comic books, it's actually Static, not Static shock. Yeah, came around when, when they made the cartoon. <laughs> Speaking of that, um, in the cartoon, he still goes by Static. It's just by the name of the cartoon itself is called Static Shock. In the first episode, he literally calls himself Static. He says, my name is Static, and I put a shock to your system. Now, up to that point, I mean, obviously there had been other black superheroes, but never like a whole universe where they were all created at the same time and all created by black creators as well. I mean, up to that point, there had been Black Lightning, Luke Cage, Falcon, Storm. Black Panther, Steel, Vixen. Yeah, you are definitely right. Yes, sir. And then, so in 1992, the first batch of comics uh, came out. And uh, supposedly, I don't know if this is true, Dennis had said that uh, the legend Jim Steranko had approached him back in 89, saying that he had been approached about creating a bunch of original black superheroes. And Jim, without coming out and saying it, saying that he wasn't the man for the job, heavily implying Dennis should take this over without coming right out and saying, hey, this job should be for you. Oh, really? Never knew that. (laughs) Yeah, the way Dennis tells it, like, he's like, I'm not the man for the job, hint, 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 you know? (laughs) Yeah. This is for you, buddy. You you take it. And uh, they worked on it for a while, and like I said, the, the Milestone Universe 1992, but the first appearance of Static wasn't until his own series uh, in 1993. Like I said, I had not read the comic at the time. I, I did read Icon, and I did read Milestone. My opinion of the Milestone Universe, what I thought was good about it was not only were these guys talented writers and artists, but uh, I'd say a lot of the characters, uh, I don't want to sound like, uh, how do I... Uh, <laughs> I don't want to sound like the typical white progressive guy 
But I don't think we had seen a diversity in black characters. These characters weren't stereotypes as much as a lot of the previous characters had been, I guess is the best way I could say it. True. You know, like most of them weren't like, you know, from the streets. They weren't framed for for crimes. You know, they didn't come from broken homes, all of them. They didn't all share the same attitude and personality. That is true. I mean, Static, uh, Virgil, definitely was a, um, Virgil definitely was a fresh take on young African-American characters in coming into the comic book industry. You had a kid that basically represented Peter Parker, but on a more urban, much more urban level. You know, he rolled around on the sewer top. (laughs) (laughs) It had a baseball cap. Like, (laughs) you know, as a kid, a lot of things just seem cool to you. Like, how cool would it be to ride around on the sewer top? Like, (laughs) that would definitely be pretty badass. Yeah, yeah, Virgil Virgil definitely was an opening door for a lot of kids and a lot of people in general. And uh, Dwayne McDuffie, the late great, had said that uh, he was intended to be like the Spider-Man character of the Milestone universe, you know, the younger character, the one who had all the typical problems of a normal teenager added to the problems of being a superhero. Superhero, yes, sir. Dealing with school and trying to balance a superhero life at the same time. <laughs> now, the Milestone, it's also interesting, um, before we get to the cartoon, the, supposedly, and I don't know how true this is, this is uh, different things have been said that it was because of Static the universe eventually ended because they ran into some debate with DC over the famous cover of him and his with girlfriend. Yeah. Yeah, with the condoms. And supposedly there was a big back and forth with Milestone in uh, DC Comics about that cover. And I don't know how true it is, uh, but supposedly Dwayne McDuffie especially had took issue with it and went back and forth with DC for a while. A lot of them had said there's a documentary on Milestone that came out, I think, last year, where a lot of them say that because of that, DC didn't didn't officially take a stand, but didn't back up the company as much as they had previous before that huge argument had happened. Yeah, I definitely did hear, um, definitely did hear a rumor about the the famous condom incident. Don't know if that ended the Milestone universe, but if it did, man, wow, <laughs> wow. <laughs> I mean, he was just uh, he was just literally showing. It was just give you the real life. <laughs> kids have condoms. Kids don't have condoms. <laughs> we all know that's for fact. We all been teenagers. Yeah, and supposedly they finally had agreed to the cover, but then, unbeknownst to them, they did that cover where it had the you know it had the heart where a lot of the cover was black. Yeah, and they were kind of in, in the heart, and you couldn't see all the condoms. Supposedly that was done. I read. I don't know how true it is with a lot of their knowledge. And it wasn't necessarily that that comic ended Milestone, but it was like kind of the the match that started the fire that led to some of the problems. Again, different people said different opinions. I guess we'll never really know the official answer. Yeah, sure. I mean, uh, I can honestly say this as a DC fan. They, uh, they are known to screw over a lot of people. <laughs> 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 you can just look at the history. <laughs> Not to get sidetracked, but... Uh, the late great Jack Kirby's one of <laughs> But I will say this for DC to be fair, when it comes to creator rights, I've always read that they get if something of theirs gets used in another medium, I hear they get compensated way better than the Marvel creators do. Yes, I definitely I definitely heard and um I actually seen evidence. 
Neil Adams. <laughs> did he do his video? Uh, did he do an interview with somebody when it was about uh about the character creation? And he talked about Havoc and said how he was using the movie and Marvel didn't pay him anything. Then Raz Al Ghul got used in the movie. He got a he got a hundred thousand. <laughs> yeah, I read that. Yeah, when they used Havoc, he got paid like nothing. <laughs> right. And then they used Raz Al Ghul and he got a check for like a hundred grand. <laughs> so I. Uh, I definitely agree with you on that one. <laughs> it also explains why Jeff Johns is always trying to put his own stories in <laughs> other mediums because he'll get a big fat paycheck. <laughs> that is true. <laughs> uh, superhero animation had come back in a big way in the 90s. Batman the Animated Series, Superman the Animated Series, Spider-Man, X-Men. It had really it had died at the midway of the 80s and it came back in a big way. So uh, Cartoon Network, WB Kids... Decided they were going to put into, uh, I guess um, they had discussed different characters being transformed to other medium, and uh, it had been going on for a while. Like Jeanette Kahn during the time was working uh, with Milestone, and she had proposed um, adapting some of the Milestone comics into animation. Eventually, they had settled on doing uh, Static, which became Static Shock. Yes. I was kind of surprised... I, I kind of knew this, but it kind of still, I didn't. This is the first superhero cartoon led by a black superhero ever. Like, ever. Like, there had been other black superheroes in cartoons, other black characters who starred in cartoons. But this is the first time in history a black superhero had his own cartoon, which I was kind of surprised at. It just seemed like it had happened before, but it was the first. Yeah, I can I can run the list to a bunch of bunch of black characters featured in animated shows led by white characters, but yeah. Now that I think about it, yes, sir. Static is Static is the first. Yeah, because I mean like Black Vulcan and showed up on the Super Friends. Fat Albert had his own cartoon. There was the Harlem Globe Charters cartoon in the in the seventies. But this is the first superhero, black superhero to get their own cartoon. Mm-hmm. Obviously, yeah, Green Lantern. Well, actually, I think Static happened before the Justice League, if I'm not mistaken. Did it happen before Bruce Tim? I think it did. Um, I, rem- um, I definitely remember um, John Stewart showing up in it. And uh, yeah, it debuted in uh, 2000. Uh, it was developed by uh, Christopher Simmons. Dennis Kwan had uh, he had worked on the development. They did later on bring Dwayne McDuffie in as a show writer and story editor. But he was not there at the very beginning. Okay. Which also led to him, actually, he had worked, actually had a lot of success in the animation world, because from then on, he went on to write episodes of Justice League cartoon, uh, Ben 10. He wrote the All-Star Superman comic adaption. Yeah, yeah, he, yeah, he definitely did. He, uh, I believe he went on to write the, um, the Justice League Doom um, animation uh, movie also. Yes, he did as well. And then unfortunately, he passed away, I believe, in uh, in 2011. Yeah, um, after his heart surgery. So they finally developed the the cartoon. Uh, They'd kept it the same, but uh, some changes were made. And you've read more of the comic than I do, so you can probably test these. Uh, One of the changes, they had made Virgil younger on the cartoon. His mom is no longer with them on the cartoon. And I believe in the comic, both his parents are still alive. Yeah, that is true. Um, Um, They also changed Richie up, too. Richie was a uh, slightly gayer, right? On the, uh, in yeah, the comic book. in the comic book, yes, sir. And uh, they've changed his costume and his powers slightly from the from the cartoon as well. 
Right, right. He had the um, he had a navy blue, basically like a little silver X cross in his uh, outfit with the damn big old jacket, <laughs> the big old coat. <laughs> what was the nineties, early two thousands? And remember, if, if you remember that era, superheroes loved cool jackets. <laughs> I can't be mad at him, man. Rogue had the uh, Rogue had that awesome bomber. <laughs> <laughs> Um, and the uh, the Avengers at one point all were wearing jackets as well. That is true. That is true. Everybody had a jacket, man. Something about it was it was something about trunk style jackets <laughs> for certain characters and jackets in general. <laughs> and now the cartoon was uh it was critically and uh, commercially successful at a real strong audience, uh, especially young young men in the ages of the six to fourteen range. Critically, it was a uh, for the most part, was embraced. Uh, got a lot of credit. Said it dealt with serious issues without sugarcoating it, you know, but not being too like you know aggressively scary about it as well. Yes, I tried to find out why it got canceled, and there wasn't anything definitive. But one theory was it said that it was canceled because merchandising sales were extremely low for the show, due to there hadn't been a lot of merchandise produced in association with the show. Which I suppose it's possible. I mean, that's I've heard about things like that. Young Justice, for example, was supposedly originally canceled because, quote, girls watched it and girls didn't buy toys. <laughs> yeah, I, I heard the exact same thing. Uh, I hear that a lot about TV shows. Is um, the merchandise basically pays for the TV show, so if the merchandise isn't selling, the TV show isn't going to be produced and. Sometimes that is true. If you look at the um, if you look at the eighties, He Man, Ninja Turtles, those shows was basically made to sell toys. Even though Ninja Turtles will start out as a comic book, He Man, for example, was a show made to sell toys, and it sold a gangload of toys, which ultimately made a whole universe to a point where they was like, "All right, let's make She-Ra," and they went to the girls, and that blew up. I definitely believe, definitely believe that to a certain point. But then you got people upstairs that like to make things and, you know, change things and feel like, you know, some things shouldn't go on. I don't remember. Were there even, was there even like an action figure line with this cartoon? I don't recall. I don't recall. Um, I never, I never owned a static toy. Came across the Milestone comics and definitely came across a TV show, but never actually owned the toy itself. All right. Anybody out there listening? If you know about it, let us know. Yeah, please. Um, I've seen um, I've seen a couple recently. I know McFarlane has released a new Fifty Two one, and I think he did one. Is either he did one or another manufacturer did one? But I did um, I did see a '90s style static on this guy's Instagram video when he, when he was showing off all his DC collectibles. And then it didn't originally uh, take place in the DC universe, but uh, they ended up kind of. Adding it into the DC animated U, where uh, John Stewart showed up on an episode. Yeah, he showed up. A future version of a grown-up version in the future showed up in a Justice League episode. Yep, static, yes, sir. When he was an old man with gray dreads, <laughs> <laughs> and I, I think they eventually incorporate him in the comics into the DC universe itself. Yeah, they did the um, DC and Milestone did the Worlds Collide event. I mean, eventually putting the milestone characters in the DC universe. And uh, anybody out there that's listening to watch it, please, you can correct me if I'm highly mistaken. Um, but the one character they used the most was Virgil himself, because Virgil, be- Virgil ended up becoming the Teen Titan. 
He was in the Titans at one point. They never really used um, Icon or Hardware or anybody like that else, you know, outside of just like Virgil himself. And that was definitely a complete waste when you think about it because all those characters are just, are just awesome themselves. And I know they recently brought the Milestone Universe back uh, with a lot of, mostly a lot of new talent. I don't think too many of the original guys are there. The only uh, thing I read was uh, I read the six issue icon miniseries. That's the only part of it I've read so far. How was that? I liked it better than I thought I would. Um, uh, I liked how they really dealt with, you know, how people are always complaining how come superheroes don't do more and all that. I yeah. thought the six issue series actually dealt well with the consequences of what would happen if superheroes did do more because the whole plot is. Icon and Rocket try and tackle the world. They don't try and just attack local drug dealers. They try and go on a higher level and destroy poppy fields over in the Middle East and really try and disrupt things. Okay. Oh, dang. So it really gets into the consequence, real world consequences of if superheroes did more than just, you know, punch out the Red Skull or whatever. <laughs> I'm going to have to pick it up then. I'm, um, um, I'm, I'm definitely going to have to pick it up right now. Um, I'm in a. I've been getting the old milestone. Uh, they released another uh, trade paperback uh, recently. I had to pick that one up. I got the first one. I don't know if they're going to do a third one. Uh, they might. It's definitely a lot of milestone books, comics that came out in the 90s. I do know that. So we're going to go back to September 23rd, the year 2000, episode Shock to the System. <laughs> now, um, I'd only seen a couple of uh, the cartoons. And it's been a long time since I've seen them. The only one that ever, uh, that really stuck in my mind was the Green Lantern episode. So to me, this is kind of like, a, it's almost like a brand new cartoon. It's been so long since I've seen it, and I haven't even seen every episode. And uh, this episode is written by Christopher Simmons. It's uh, directed by James Tucker. Uh, we're going to go over a few of the voice credits. Static, Virgil himself. He's voiced by the the legend Phil Lamar. <laughs> He's done a ton of voice acting. Uh <laughs> Hermes Conrad on Futurama. Uh, he's also John Stewart on the Justice League cartoon. And he's done plenty of live action acting. In fact, he played Marvin in the movie Pulp Fiction. Yeah, he was right in the backseat. <laughs> now, Ricky, his best friend, is uh, Jason uh, Marsden does his voice. I, I looked up. I was kind of surprised. Uh, he, he's done the voice of Bart Allen on Young Justice. He was uh, he's Goofy's son, Max, on uh, a Goofy movie, and the one that really surprised me, he was the voice of Binks in the movie Hocus Pocus. Really? Yeah, the, the, with a cat, you know. When he was he, a cat. He, yeah, not when he's human, but he does the voice of Binks when he's a uh, when he's a cat. Damn! <laughs> Did not know that. <laughs> now, uh, Freda is uh, the main love interest. Uh, she's voiced by uh, Danica McKellar who obviously her most famous role was Winnie Cooper on The Wonder Years. And uh, Francis, who uh, later on becomes the supervillain. What's his name? I think it's F something or rather. uh, F Stop. That's the supervillain. Danny Cooksey had uh, voiced him. Most of his stuff that I'd known him for was from live action. He played uh, Sam McKinney on Different Strokes. He is... uh, John Connor's best friend in the movie Terminator 2 Judgment Day. Dang. But he also was the, uh, he did the voice of uh, Monty Max on Tiny Toons as well. 
he was Monty. Yeah. <laughs> wow. <laughs> You'd be amazed when you find out who be doing voices for these characters. <laughs> Some people have had like a second career out of just doing uh, voice acting. I- I'm going to tell you, and not to get sidetracked, the two characters, the two voices that blew me away, the first one was Mark Hamlin as a Joker. I found out that Luke was a joke, and I was like, what? Like, that like, <laughs> like that blew me away. I'm like, and then I seen videos. I'm like, oh, man, he gets in the character. Like, <laughs> he gets in the character. And my um, and my second one was, um, uh, dang, man, right on the tip of my tongue, man. It was my boy, um, it was my boy Kratos from In Living Single. Uh, he was a black dude with the dreads. And I found out he was Kratos. I was like, what? I'm, I'm like, he? I'm like, but that's, I'm like, yeah, but that's a dude from, that's, that's a dude from a living single. <laughs> and I found, and I found that out from my friend Mark. Was, was, was funny. <laughs> he was like, man, I'm, cause like, I, I, I found out he was, a, I found out he's a big fan of God of War. And we got to talking. And he was like, yeah, I was doing, I was, I was doing research. I was like, yo, who, who does the voice of Kratos? And and then I pulled him up and I was like, it was a skinny, very skinny black guy. I was like, then he showed me, I was like, that's a dude from a living single. <laughs> like he's Kratos. Like, wow, man. Like when you find out who does voice acting for the characters, it really amazes. It really amazes you. Like Uncle Phil did Shredder. She did Shredder, yeah. He did War Machine on the first season, series of Iron Man. As well. Whoa, really? Like, yeah, only the first season. The one that came out in the nineties. Yeah, he only did the first season, but yeah, he did. Uh, he did War Machine. <laughs> what surprised me was I did an episode on the Hulk nineties uh, cartoon where She Hulk shows up, and uh-huh. it was uh, she. Had, the girl does her voice. She had been. She had dated Will Smith on an episode of Fresh Prince, but she was also on. Uh, she was on the show. Do you remember the show A Different World? Yeah. She was one of the friends on a different world. Again, the more the more snooty girl there. I can't remember her name on the show, but I was um God, I wish I could, but <laughs> that one just surprised me. I didn't I didn't know she had after uh <laughs> different world ended, I didn't even know she did anything at all. Dang. Is it um Whitney? Was it Whitney? Yes, I think it was Whitney. Whitney, Whitney. <laughs> Whitney, Whitney the snooty <laughs> Whitney. <laughs> <laughs> It was Whitney. <laughs> yeah, but uh, yeah, so it's crazy sometimes when you watch these shows and the guys who do the voices. Yeah, Mark Hamill was one. I think blew everyone away at the time because he had done very little voice acting and to have such a different sounding voice was crazy. <sighs> such an iconic voice for the Joker. Like, like iconic. Well, on that note, we are going to take our break. We're going to watch Static Shock, Shock to the System. And we're going to talk about it. Don't go anywhere. We will be right back. On an all-new Static Shock. <laughs> Stop it. Stop it. Get him. A loner at Dakota High. Let me out. Is pushed too far. What's that? <laughs> Don't miss a very special Static Shock. All-new next Saturday at 8.30, 7.30 Central and Pacific on Kids WB. Being a black artist and surviving in this industry... You weren't going to get the same breaks, and you had to work twice as hard to do it. 
Keep moving, keep moving. It always cracked me up that his afro was attached to his mask. I'm Black Lightning. That's some code switching right there. It was written in neon. Where are the black superheroes? Keep running, keep running. Good luck on the kids. What Milestone Media had done was create characters that imprinted on a generation. Heroes haven't always come in all races. At New York's Milestone Media, superheroes aren't just black. It's the first time in comic book history we wanted it to look like the world we lived in. People weren't just invested in the comics and in the characters. They use slang properly or don't use it at all. They were invested in Milestone. Oh, we are the torchbearers, the legacy holders. People who are reading Milestone, and those books are changing their lives. Something is no good doing unless it kind of scares you. Wow! Hey, swapping rides was a pretty cool idea, huh, Batman? Interesting transportation aesthetic. There's just one thing the Batwing has that my disc doesn't. And what would that be? Brakes! Static Shock, next Saturday at 8.30, 7.30 Central and Pacific on Kids WV. Meanwhile, at the Podcast of Justice. Back and we just watched Static Shock, Shock to the System. I gotta say right off the bat, uh, they managed to find ways to fit the word static into this episode a whole lot. <laughs> I think they was leading to something. <laughs> I think they might be leading to something. <laughs> uh, what's your take on the uh, the uh, the theme song opening credits? Uh, it's a uh, I can't put my finger on it, but it felt very late '90s. If uh, it's the best way I could describe it, uh, sh- I think it's awesome because I, sh- man, still like still to this day, I do like half the stuff Virgil do right in that damn opening cut man. Like I get up, go to the bathroom, I look in the mirror, I shake my head like, all right, looks good. <laughs> <laughs> Walk out, put keys, <laughs> grab the keys, get myself together. Say what's up to everybody and I roll out. <laughs> I do like the credits how it's, uh, it reminded me of a classic old school superhero cartoon where a bunch of the villains show up in the credits, you know, so yeah. you get to see a sample of what's coming up. Yeah, that was definitely good. Definitely good. Yeah, definitely good. You get to see him leaving his house. Then the action pops off. You see what? I, I think it's Robert Batman in the beginning. And then you get to see his bully that's always, you know, bullying him. And then um, Ebon pops up. So, yeah, you, um, you definitely get a couple of characters here and there. They can be like, all right, yeah, I can, you know, I'm looking forward to seeing who's going to pop up throughout the season. So, you're definitely right. I like the, uh, even though the costume's a lot different than the comic, uh, it works. I, I like the I like the costume in the in the cartoon. Oh, yeah, definitely. It's, it's, def- <laughs> it's definitely 2000s with the baggy pants and the big coat <laughs> and the sneakers. It's definitely like, you know, if you go back and Google some, uh, cash money photos of a uh, young Wayne back when he was younger. You see the big old shirts and the big pants. So yeah. <laughs> uh, definitely, uh, definitely played to the time period. Definitely played to the time period. So we open up as a warehouse robbery and uh static shows up to save the day. He's, he's uh pretty cool scene cause he's taking him on and he's using all sorts of, uh, you know, his different powers. Like 
his magnetism, his floating on the, the manhole cover, his electricity. So it's a cool scene where he gets to really uh, show off right off the bat what he can do. Yeah, definitely. Definitely what, what, <laughs> They said something, but I can't remember what it was, but Static said, how, uh, hey, if you're going to use slang, use it properly and don't use it at all. <laughs> you be everybody stuck into the ceiling. <laughs> and I like how he, uh, he makes a big arrow in the, in the sky that says, uh, bad guys, this exit. <laughs> Remind me of playing Grand Theft Auto when the arrow will pop up. Like right here. Ding. <laughs> so definitely uh you can definitely see the spider-man influence uh, in this opening scene yeah 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 definitely definitely can joking having fun saying a little smart remarks here and there yes sir and uh we got an inner monologue where he's gonna narrate his origin which uh just happened a couple of days ago so right off the bat i think this is actually uh if I get in the technical aspect of writing, I think this is a really good way to start the show. They introduce the character, show what he can do, and then go right into his origin, explaining how he get there. So we're off to, a, I think, a pretty uh, well-structured start here. Now, uh, the flashback, uh, <laughs> he's looking in the mirror, doing the, uh, shaking his hair. He does the the wrapping, uh, starts doing a little shaving. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> it's got my favorite line from his sister. He yells, uh, Hey, Puff Daddy, long time for a guy with five whiskers. Well, at least I'm growing mine on purpose. <laughs> he says, don't forget your dog collar. <laughs> I love it, man. Civil rivalry between brother and sister. <laughs> it's kind of weird where he, he walks into his father and his father doesn't budge, but for some reason that completely floors him, knocks him on his ass. <laughs> And it shows that his father was a towering, uh, is a big man. <laughs> uh, they argue, they establish the mom uh, isn't there anymore. Uh, and then Virgil heads off for school where uh, he runs into, we get our first introduction to Richie as well. Yes, sir. Um, I thought I read that Richie is, did they mix a couple of characters from the comic? Like, is Richie like borrowed from more than one character? Or is he just straight out of the comic? Um... Some of the stuff I read, it made it sound like he, he, they borrowed personality traits from a couple of different characters, but I haven't really read the comic, so I'm going to defer to you on this one. I'm, uh, I, uh, I wish I had some of my mouth, some people was here with me. Um, I believe that he um, could have been pulled from a couple of the characters. Um, and, you know, um, like I said at the beginning, that he, uh, they didn't end up changing his, um, they ended up changing his sexuality. Um, so that was, um, that was definitely one of the traits that they, uh, that they didn't take from the comic. Uh, yeah, I'm gonna have to go back and I'm gonna have to go back and jump up on static. <laughs> Put my mongoose so, down, jump right back on my milestone. They uh, see Freda. Uh, him and Richie are having some uh, conversation on how he's gonna ask her to the big homecoming dance, which you can tell he's uh, not exactly uh, <laughs> experienced in the uh, hitting on the ladies department. <laughs> like most guys, especially in school, I know I was one of them. <laughs> yeah that's definitely me <laughs> when he starts talking to her uh she starts treating him more like a friend asking uh about how three hotties have been hitting on her and trying to get her to the homecoming dance <laughs> and he says how sometimes hotness is overrated uh wit and offbeat charm really go a long way i mean geekiness is you know kind of charming <laughs> <laughs> He's about to ask her, but then he's interrupted by his bully, Francis, who, what a look this guy has. We go, 
<laughs> I'm just saying, man. France is not built like your everyday 14 year old, is he? Like, <laughs> looks like um, if Heat Miser and the blonde guy from Dragon Ball Z had a had a kid, is <laughs> <in his> basically. <laughs> I mean, Goku, Heat Miser, and Goku. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> It must be warm in Dakota City because he's never not wearing a tank top. It must be, man. He is always just short sleeves. <laughs> and then uh, Wade comes in and uh, saves the day, gets Francis to back off because Francis is pretty much obvious he's going to tool on uh, Virgil. I think that's one of, uh, he got one of our, uh, <laughs> when he's talking to Fred, I made one of his many static references. I think he said something about the static energy between them. And then uh, he's uh, walking home from school, but uh, Francis and a whole bunch of his gang, they, they, uh, they're waiting for him. And, uh, he and Francis says, we're going to pick up where we left off, chump. And they start giving a little bit of a beat down. But they take off because uh, they see Wade coming by. So Wade saves the day. And then he tells him to meet him under the stone bridge. Uh, and then we... <laughs> They got a scene of him on the way where he's he's like talking to himself about how his dad's going to react where he's even doing the voice of his dad in the conversation. <laughs> I got to say, uh, a lot of his jokes and dumb comments generally made me laugh while watching this episode. <laughs> I think we all used to say that sometimes to myself. I know I did. I'm like, damn, I'm going to get home. Mom would be like, so, so you just had to act a fool in school today, huh? <sighs> Teacher called this. <laughs> <laughs> they meet in a warehouse with Wade's crew under the bridge, and <laughs> Virgil says, "How oh, I, li- I like this place. I saw it on that show, This Old Warehouse." That <laughs> <laughs> man always cracking a joke. That's for sure. Yeah. <laughs> I gotta say, props to Phil Lamar. He doesn't sound anything like John Stewart when he does the voice of Static. Doesn't like he doesn't, man. Phil Lamar's a damn good voice actor. He's a damn good voice actor, man. Like, he genuinely sounds like a kid on this. Like, and I know they didn't do any like they didn't do any electronic tweaking of his voice. I like they might have might do nowadays. Like, it's just him changing like the tone and pitch of his voice. Yes, sir. Wade says, "I would the only way to." Avoid Francis in the future is uh, to join his crew. <laughs> he says, how, uh, <laughs> you don't want me in the crew, I'm only 14. I think he said he's too stringy to be a banger. The next day, they go back to, there's a dinner with the family, and uh, he tries to explain his black eye by uh, football practice. Yes, sir. Uh, <laughs> which his sister says, ain't no way your narrow behind is playing football. <laughs> <laughs> they should make two references right <laughs> oh yeah she says how uh normally you'd wear a helmet and number two you're narrow behind ain't playing football, football. <laughs> what did you know i stop playing football like... now after he leaves it becomes obvious his dad doesn't buy the football story but his dad's giving him space letting him letting him come to him about it when he's ready yes so i do like that uh there isn't the conflict that there is a lot of times with parents and teenage heroes. You know, he he's more intimidated by his dad more than like having an argumentative relationship with him. That is true. He gets a call from Ricky who says that uh, everyone's talking about how he's joined the gang. 
which uh, he says he isn't sure. He doesn't. He can't believe words got around so fast. Uh, and right then, though, he gets a call from Wade to meet him, all of them. Big things are going down. Uh, so he meets them at a, at a warehouse where you can see a lot of ominous-looking tanks have, like, the biohazard symbol on them. All of Wade's crew is there. Says it's going to be a major throwdown where all the gun, all the gun, all the gangs are going to be there. So this is going in the direction pretty similar to his original origin of the gang fight with uh, all the chemicals. Was it the bit? The it wasn't the Big Bang. It was the was it the Big Baby or what was it? The Bang Babies. <laughs> bang Baby. That's what it, was. it was called Bang Babies. <laughs> Hell of a name. <laughs> <laughs> Um, he gives him a gun even, which, uh, Virgil wants nothing to do with. He throws that thing right into the, into the harbor. But then all the gang shows up. There's a big gang fight going on. And then the, all the police choppers show up. At one point they, they opened fire, not with a, not with a gun. It was like a tear gas thing they shot, but it ruptures the tank, causing a huge explosion, which is engulfing everyone in like this purple gas. Yeah. Obviously, clearly, everyone's being affected, even though you don't know what's going on quite yet. That is true. The next uh, scene we get is uh, Static. Virgil's back at home, but uh, all the sheets keep clinging to him because of the static. He can't get rid of them. <laughs> yeah. And then all the electronics are turning on without even him even touching them. Light switches are going on, so you're getting a little bit of a... He's starting to realize what's going on with his powers. Right. And then he uh, he tells Richie to meet him at the junkyard. Which uh, he uses kind of a kind of like magnet, magneto type powers, where he uses a static to to float metal and float the cars. And, and he, at one point, he's riding a car like a surfboard. That is true. <laughs> Says something about it. it's because of your uh, static cling. <laughs> now, Richie even makes a comment about how with these powers you could be a superhero. So is that implied that they're in the DC universe, or that there's they're in the Milestone universe and there's already superheroes? Or is he just because they're supposedly comic fans? Is he only throwing that out there? I think it could be uh, um, like TV wise. I think it could be a reference to the DC because John Stewart and them do show up, and it's not like there's a you know there's like a big bang that crosses universes. Yeah, it's not like a, a multiverse. Yeah, they just happen to be there. So um, when he decides he's going to be superhero, we get a great montage of uh, Virgil trying on outfits. Yeah, one of them is Black Vulcan. <laughs> yeah, he had Black Vulcan's costume on, which was was such a great bit. <laughs> so I think it does lead to a bit in the DC universe, right? I mean, that if you depend on Black Lightning's outfit, yeah, it definitely would have been like, yeah, that's DC. But you know, thanks to Black Vulcan being well, super friends and all that, I think it does, sir. <laughs> what the first costume was essentially a super tight pair of shorts and like a half shirt. I don't know. <laughs> First costume was a workout outfit. <laughs> he didn't have no mask. He had shorts and the tank top. I was like, yeah. <laughs> then the second costume ended up being it was it was literally just rain boots. It was like a one punch man outfit. It was just rain boots <laughs> with no mask, and it was just ugly green. <laughs> then it was like, all right, Black Vulcan was next. It was like each time it just upgraded. <laughs> I've. Always had a, a soft spot for Black Vulcan, but man, I've always hated costumes without without pants. <laughs> I always hated Martian Manhunter's costume. I hated Robin's original costume. <laughs> I hate 
male characters without pants. <laughs> They're rocking the shorts. <laughs> and then we're we're back to the present. Static's kind of like wrapping up like his story, and uh, we we go over to where the the homecoming is being set up, and this was. <laughs> Kind of weird for a second. It, it, was it just me or was there was a scene where like a couple of hot girls just walked in and all the guys setting up got distracted by them and it didn't lead to anything. It had nothing to do with the story. <laughs> it didn't. It just felt like, hey, man, guys can get distracted <laughs> no matter what age. <laughs> uh, Static shows up and uh, he uses his powers to help set up the dance. He's like uh, hanging up the disco ball with it, setting up everything. He even says that the name's Static, and I'm going to bring a shock to your system. He's uh, he's uh, hitting the title uh, right in there. Right. <laughs> he even makes an electric heart and sends it Freda's way. <laughs> Making her hair frizz up. <laughs> right from there, we go to the hospital, where you can see that they're just uh, they're overwhelmed because they have a whole bunch of uh, victims of the Bang Baby. Mm-hmm. And uh, some of them, you're getting to see some of their one guy's like turning into a blob, and another guy I think is a uh, rubber band man. Um, oh, um, it looked like he'd been a rubber band man. I know he was some. Um, I know, I know it was a purple guy that was uh, that was in a bed, uh, and, strapped uh, up. We get on Francis, who's tied to the bed, but he like bursts into flames. Uh, he does a great laugh, and then he explodes right through the wall, flying right out of the. Out of there, kind of looking like Firestorm a little bit. Yeah. And then our final scene is him walking in flames saying, this is going to be fun. And there you have it. Static shock, shock to the system. So uh, definitely left you with a, a cliffhanger and setting up not only the next episode, but really the whole cartoon in general. That is true. That is true. Thanks to the uh, bang, baby. Uh, before we get into our review and whatnot, I mean, how... Uh, from what you remember about the comics, how how accurate and how closely following the comics would you say this is? There was definitely there was definitely some changes, but I want to say like they was not running neck and neck, but they was definitely pulling like little elements here and there from the milestone static comic, putting it into the uh, cartoon. Now, there's a quote from Dwayne McDuffie where he said that uh, it keeps the the heart and the tone of the character despite the changes, which and nowadays, entertainment, if someone said that, I would automatically think the worst. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I agree being it's you. Dwayne McDuffie, <laughs> I tend to, I think he probably is right on this one. Yeah. Being Dwayne McDuffie, yes, sir. Definitely, like I said, from I can remember, they was um, pulling bits and pieces from it and putting it into the uh, cartoon. But it wasn't like the comic itself. But it wasn't so far removed that you, it's unrecognizable. Right, that's why like if you that's why you'll get a lot of old school milestone comic fans that actually would that actually love the static shot cartoon. I like how the animation is similar to the other DC ones, but it's got its own style at the same time. That is true. That is true. On that note, we're gonna go over to the uh the ranking system. We're going over to the spectrometer. <laughs> Anyone new to the show, Spectrometers, where we rank what we saw, zero Spectros being garbage, four Spectros being, it just doesn't get any better, 
Antoine, how are you going to rank Static Shock? Shock to the system. I would give it, man. I would, I would give it four. I would, I would, I would give it four. Well, when uh, let's hi- highlight what you what you really liked about it. The introduction. I like how you get to see Virgil. Like how they, uh, I like how they show Richie. They show that he has a best friend. They show that he has a dad and his family. They show his sister. They show that he still goes to school. They show that he has to deal with everything like bullies. They show that he has to deal with um deal with like real talk like gangs in the school that you know that like hey you know I protect you you know but you got to ride out with me it's like but I don't want to ride out with you and I really didn't ask you for ask you for your protection so you kind of forcing it on me the first episode definitely definitely highlighted a lot and showing what was come throughout season one. And uh, would you say, I mean, I don't know how recently you've watched the whole thing. Is the is the show consistent? Does it get better? Oh, the show yeah. definitely what? gets better. Yeah, so it's, uh, it gets, improves with time. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Ends up like, you know, he ends up meeting John Stewart. Ends up looking up to him. You know, Rich ends up getting powers, becoming gear. Static shock, the cartoon definitely does get better as the season goes from one to two. Yes, sir. Well, originally I was going to go uh, about three, three and a half, but uh, I think I'm going to have to go four as well. Um, I'm trying to think of anything I could really find wrong with it, and I, I don't really find anything wrong with it. I think it's a great setup for his origin. It introduced a great cast of supporting characters. It introduced villains. Uh, it has a purpose to the show. Animation style is good. The voice acting is good. I like the intro. I really can't find anything negative to say about the cartoon so i think i'm gonna have to go for yes that's sir i totally totally agree with you <laughs> I, I phil lamar definitely did like phil lamar did his thing man as virgil each cast member did that thing the animation was on point for the for the time that it came out in the 2000s it it definitely did yeah <laughs> it's a four <laughs> it's yeah, a four <laughs> can't, can't think you, of nothing uh... negative I, yeah, I'm like I'm trying to think of like normally I can find something to nitpick about, but I can't really think of anything I could even nitpick on this. Nah, set up. I mean, you know, I mean, even had Richie call him like, "Hey, what the hell are you doing? You you joining gangs?" It showed it showed that he had a friend that cared about him. <laughs> how often? Like, how often do we get shows like that? That you know, that shows like, "Yo, why are you doing this?" I really didn't do it, but I basically had no other choice, right? <laughs> I'm getting bullied at school. Yeah, and I can see why uh, it would have appealed to a young male audience. I mean, it has everything in there. Friendship, it has dealing with bullying, dealing with school, you know, trying to uh, meet the fairer sex and struggling with being awkward. That is true. Yeah, it's it's good stuff. What did you all think out there listening? Did you, uh, do you agree with me and Antoine? Do you like it less than we do? You couldn't have liked it any better. Uh but it's possible you could have liked it less than we did. Um, and if you did, that's okay. We're just two guys having a conversation. <laughs> Everybody's entitled to their opinion. If you have something about it you didn't like, go to mine or Antoine's uh, social media. I really would like to hear what you'd have to say. Antoine, thanks for joining us. Uh, I hope your first experience on a podcast was a pleasant one. Hey, hey man, it definitely was, Matt. Like, it's, 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 man, it's been awesome talking to you about about sad and getting to know you, man. Like, it's, man, I, I, would, I would love to do this again. <laughs> um, at this point in time, uh, this is what I call my free plug time of the show. 
The floor is yours. If you have anything you want to plug, now's the time. The floor is yours. Hey, hit my page or follow me at Antoine Rainer 87. I post my books that I buy. We talk comic books. We talk games. We talk all that. I may get a little rowdy sometimes on the characters, but I've been dealing with these characters since the 90s. <laughs> so I'm definitely a diehard fan. Like, you know, it's DC, that's Marvel, that's Image, that's Dark Horse. My favorite number one is always going to be DC. Don't know why. I think it's like a, like I tell everybody, it's like a bad marriage. <laughs> I love them. I love the hell out of them. I'm going to drop no F-bombs. I love the effing hell out of them. But they, sometimes they do me wrong, but I keep crawling back to the ass, man. <laughs> I grew up more of a Marvel guy, but in, in the last decade or so, I, I've, I, I tend to lean a lot more toward DC currently I'm barely reading anything from Marvel. Yeah, man, I I'm I'm not blaming you. I had a um, I had a conversation with my friend um just just yesterday and and we was talking about um we was talking about the X-Men and he was excited when Hickman came back and they was doing everything with um Dracoa and um and you know and all that and then Hickman left and he was like I went from reading 10 X-Men books to just like barely one now. I just can't get with it, and and he's a and he's an X Men fanatic, so I know exactly where you're coming from. That's why what? right now, that's why right now I'm trying to uh, get as much of the uh, old school X Men books as I can. A lot of the Marvel stuff, I'll try the first issue, and most of it, I wouldn't call it bad. It's just nowadays with my budget and everything else going on in my life, if you want me to come back at month after month, you really have to impress me. And not much in Marvel on a monthly basis is really getting me to say, oh, I can't wait to read the next issue. That is true. That is true. I think uh, I think the last one, like, for me was when me and Lado was uh, talking and sharing was Immortal Hawk. That was yeah, it. That's, that seems to be the one that uh, <laughs> is, uh, it's got more of a general consensus. But uh, <laughs> I still got uh, to pick up um, Chip Sadarsky's Daredevil run. I heard that's damn good. But yeah, it just was um, Mortal Hawk, and that was it. I read the two recent Peter David Hulk miniseries that he wrote. I liked them both, especially the one on the Maestro. But all I kept thinking was, well, why the hell don't you just bring him back and have him write the regular Hulk book? <laughs> I, didn't know that, uh, I didn't know that he wrote some recent ones. Damn. I had to pick those up. He's currently doing a Joe Fix-It miniseries. And he did a Maestro miniseries. The Maestro one was really good. Joe Fixit was was decent, better. But all I could think of is why didn't he just bring him back and have him write the damn Hulk series? Man, <laughs> uh, I, I, I have no idea what's going on with 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 both publishers, DC and Marvel, and the characters that they're hiring now. Yeah, I call them characters because they really ain't got no talent. A lot of them, a lot of them don't have talent. <laughs> they just they just do stuff with hit points and really. It, you can tell they're not trying to like be the next, you know, Chuck Dixon or, you know, or the next Grant Morrison. They're just, they're just some of them is in it for a paycheck and they're just doing it for hit points here and there. Well, I'm hoping uh, Grant, Hal Jordan's getting his own series again. I'm looking forward. I'm hoping. Oh, who's doing it? Uh, I believe Jeremy Adams is writing the series. So, okay, okay. Um, I'm hoping, and I believe uh, there's going to be a John Stewart backup that's going to lead into his own series, and I think that's um, Philip Kennedy Johnson, I think, is writing that. Okay, sweet. So I'm keeping my fingers crossed on that, hoping that uh, 
I like the I love the classic Justice League, so I'm hoping that uh that's a good one. We'll see. <laughs> yeah, we'll see, man. <laughs> we'll definitely see. Um I know um I believe the uh deluxe edition of the uh World's Finest um Mark Wade books drops. I'm gonna pick that up. Heard nothing but good stuff about that. Yeah, I've heard a lot of good stuff about that one. And then um I think uh I think it was March, April, April or May. The Batman failsafe comes out, so I'm gonna pick that one up also. I've been holding out on picking up the floppies. So I've been saying that the like the deluxe edition is gonna be dropping, so looking forward to picking those up. Yeah, I tend to buy more trade and stuff now just because uh floppies they tend to add up and take too much space after a while. Yeah, yeah, I can honestly say that. <laughs> I can honestly say that. <laughs> Especially the collection I'm buying right now. I just um I'm working on Supreme and I'm at forty two. And the Alan Moore's, the, the Alan Moore floppies are expensive and they're, and they're hard to find. <laughs> well, for all my listeners out there, very soon we're going to start our countdown to the two-year anniversary spectacular where I'm going to do five episodes where I bring back the five guests from my most popular episodes. So you still have a, some time. If uh, there's somebody you want to be in that top five, go download their episode, share that episode, get everybody to listen to it. Because just about two weeks away, we begin the countdown to my two-year anniversary episode where we bring back five episodes, the top five most downloaded episodes. We're bringing back the guests from those episodes. So, Antoine, for all we know, you might end up being in the, the top five most popular episodes of all time. Well, my two-year history. Here's hoping, man. Congratulations on two years, buddy. <laughs> and regardless, I do hope, even if you're not in the top five, I do hope you'll come back and do another episode. Oh, I definitely would love to, man. Definitely would. <laughs> well, that's about to wrap it up for this week, everyone. If you could uh, subscribe to my podcast, I appreciate it. If you could uh, follow me on Twitter and Facebook, I'm at Matt Spectro. Facebook, I'm Matt Spectro through the multiverse. If you could uh, give me a five-star review, I'd appreciate it and uh, share the podcast always. And like I said, if, uh, if you want Antoine to be uh, one of my top five most popular guests, get everybody to listen to this episode. Before we call it a day, Antoine, any final thoughts? Uh, like I said, man, if you're interested in talking comic books, I'm on, um, you know, hit me up at uh, at Antoine Rayner 87. I'm also an independent creator. Got my own characters. I'm working on own stories, you know. More is coming this year. I'm very excited for it. And that's about it. Until next week, thanks everyone for joining us, and we'll see you again next week for another exciting episode of Matt Spectro. Through the multiverse.